You're listening to Youth View, a podcast by Skilled Creative. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 4. I'm Gemma, and today I'm joined by Elise, Emily, and Sam. Say hi, everyone. Hey! In today's episode, we will be discussing the theme of Everyone Belongs, relating to Harmony Week. We have a very special guest joining us for today's episode. Hope you stick around to find out who they are and learn more about how youth belong. In this week's episode, we'll talk about multiculturalism and the celebration of diversity. First held in 1999, Harmony Week has grown to become a significant time for Australians to come together and celebrate our community. Every year it is celebrated from the 21st to the 27th of March. Later on we'll look further into the ins and outs of migration integration and the success of diversity in this beautiful country, Australia. Be sure to listen all the way through for the details, but for now, let's get to know each other. Let's play Would You Rather? You have 15 seconds to answer the question. Gemma, would you rather explore space or the ocean? Space. (laughs) Why? uh, Ocean, scary, space, infinite, forever. (laughs) Good answer. Sam, would you rather never lose your phone again or never lose your keys again? Uh, I mean, someone who's constantly losing both, I'd have to sort of say keys because, I mean... Don't have my license yet, don't have a car, so I don't really have much on my keys. Plus, if I've got an air tag, I could just find it with my phone. <laughs> That's fair enough. Emily, would you rather have a rewind button or a pause button? Um, I think I'd have a pause button just to like save a time and like embrace the moment and live in my favorite memory. <laughs> yeah, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks everyone for participating. That concludes our first segment of Would You Rather. Well, hold on a minute, actually. Elise, I have a question for you. Would you rather your shirt's always two sizes too big or one size too small? Um, I think I would rock the baggy style because that's usually how I wear my clothes. Um, I think I would definitely rather the two sizes too big because it makes wearing clothes so much more comfortable and fun. Billy Otto is a musician, songwriter, podcaster, mental health advocate and environmentalist. He lives, surfs and creates music on the north coast of New South Wales and has proud Malaysian roots. Welcome to Youth View, Billy. Oh, intro. (laughs) Feeling the love. Yeah, man. Great to have you here. I was just wondering, like, what would a normal morning look like for you? Oh, man, it's pretty wild these days. So I live with my partner, Sylvie. She's amazing. And um, basically, I get up at about 5.30 every morning. Um, I'm a bit of an old man inside. I go for a morning walk. (laughs) Love it. Um, Go for a morning walk and then come back and I meditate or pray, journal a little bit. Um, I don't eat until about 12 o'clock. So I intermittent fast. Um, But I feel like morning routine is really important. I love having the house clean in the morning. Um, sometimes this sounds really weird, but I'm going to say, cause it's a podcast and podcast should be a bit open, but I do coffee enemas. Right, oh, yeah. nice. <laughs> yeah. I'm really into like cleansing my body and do like those like twice a week. Um, but when there's surf and when the surf isn't like chocolatey from all the fertilizer, topsoil and pesticides, I'm surfing like five times a week. So Sometimes I'll just be here first, checking in, meditating, having a prayer, waking up early, but then I'll just go surfing. And I really love beginning the day with surfing and a chai. 
an oat chai. I'm a huge chai latte fan. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Um, so we're celebrating Harmony uh, Harmony Week here on Youth View, and the theme is Everyone Belongs. As a person with Malaysian roots, what was it like growing up in Australia? <laughs> yeah, it was so interesting growing up in Newcastle because Newcastle's a really – at the time, it was quiet. It felt really white and white cultured. It's a rugby league town. Everyone was driving Commodores and Hiluxes. <laughs> it was just kind of like, I don't know, like everything was like, all my friends, you know, weren't brown. And I think initially, you know, when you're a bit younger, you just don't want to be different. And so it was kind of difficult for me to really feel like I, I could fit in. And um, I felt like inside... I'm almost like this coconut, you know, like white on the inside and brown on the outside. And it, I didn't really know how to assimilate into my Malaysian kind of culture because Malaysia was so far away. I didn't meet my grandma until I was 21. But I think into my high school years, after experiencing just a little bit of racism, I got through that. And when I was about 15 or 16, I started to really appreciate my Asian identity and started to research a lot more about it. And eventually when I was 21 and I got to meet my grandma and just be immersed in Asian culture, I just realized how beautiful ancestry is and how beautiful culture is. And yeah, but growing up in Newcastle was difficult because everyone's like, yeah, you got to play rugby league. And you know, everything was so, um, you know, non-cultural in that non-multicultural. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we've seen you and some other musicians that have been helping out with the floods on the North coast. Could you tell us how people are feeling on the ground and are there any stories from the last week or so? It's been pretty crazy because initially I feel like the army and obviously the government, they didn't respond for a really long time. And so that's a lot of the fury of the local people here is that for five days, it was civilians that were doing the work. It was civilians that were getting their jet skis, driving up these ferocious waters up Creek and rescuing elderly out of their homes. Like, and that kind of stuff, when you're not part of like SES or you're not part of the Navy or army, it's pretty confronting, you know? And so some of my friends have been like scaling down mountains and like with chainsaws getting through these, these bushy hills and, and, and headlands to be able to get to these homes so they can get supplies. And like, literally there's been people on the ground, people just 20 minutes away from me that didn't see another human for five or six days and didn't know if their help and so it's been civilians that have been organizing helicopters and private jets to get supplies around and i've been helping to get some medical supplies from the sunshine coast down to ballina airport so that we can distribute medical needs to korakai and to woodburn and broadwater and lismore and these different areas that have been utterly decimated and so i guess the local vibe is like I think we're all a bit furious at first and, and still are about like why there was such little government intervention. And it was like, it was literally army people that were taking orders from civilians for a while. So pretty bizarre. It should be the other way around. So. Yeah. That's crazy. It's, uh, it was, yeah. It's quite wild down there. Pretty amazing that just like news and just ordinary people are able to do such, you know, amazing things and help the community in that way when they have no training in any of that or, never experienced anything like that before, but when the situation comes around, they're ready to jump up and do what they can. Yeah, exactly, man. And like I was just saying to Mike, it's like because of that now I feel like I don't ever want to leave the Northern Rivers because I didn't feel this kind of unity when I was in the city. I feel like over here it's like, man, people that have lost their home, their business, their car, their dog, 
um, and they've still got three kids and they're a single mom to be able to come up to myself and cry on my shoulder and say, well, Billy, you know, like we're in this together. We've got to keep moving on. You know, this community needs us. And I've never seen such a demonstration of a spirit of resilience and compassion, grace and courage as to like this week. And it literally, man, it made me feel proud to, to be Australian. Just um, this energy. And because I feel like sometimes society tries to make us feel so separate. You know, we're just these individuals. It's my career. It's my degree. It's my car. And this, this is my future. But now I just really feel like I'm part of more of a village and a tribe. And, you know, and I feel like part of us craves to be part of that because, you know, um, we're, we're ancient, you know, beings like where we've, we've come from these ancestries where like 2000 years ago, all of our, our ancestors used to live in villages and communities but now we're isolated in these little homes with our little screens, computers, laptops, phones, so isolated in these little islands. But I feel like right now I feel really connected with everyone here and people are hugging and embracing and just grabbing a shovel, grabbing a broom. And I've literally seen some of my friends take nearly two weeks off their work, just devoting long days to helping people they don't know. It's wild. Yeah, that's crazy. It must be even crazier, like, releasing music and stuff during this time. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's the awkward thing. It's a beautiful dance because it's, like, partly you just want to really acknowledge that it's a weird time to be celebrating and dancing, and, and part of you just feels like you should just give everything you have as an artist just to the cause. And But I feel like right now people can't just be consistently told on how bad things are. Like, if we're consuming bad negative media all the time it's not a great effect on our mental health and i feel like right now it's important that we're also learning how to breathe and how to be like last night i was at a concert like a huge flood relief and there was like five six hundred people there and it was like finally the community was like breathing and dancing i had glitter on my face i felt like i was 19 at splendor in the grass again (laughs) you know um but i feel like right now releasing music i'm just sensitive that it is an awkward time to release music, but at the same time, music and dance is so important to people being healthy, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and people that have been shoveling mud and, like, directing medical supplies all day, they don't want to just sit there and count their tears. Like, they want to be out and just getting back in their body and doing this, you know? It's, like, it's, it's really, really important. Yeah. Yeah. Along the lines of uh, dance moves, we hear you have some killer dance moves on the dance floor. A secret <laughs> source tells us you've been working on loosening your hips. Could you tell us more about that? Oh, mate. I'll give a demonstration. Oh. Well, ever since I started to grow my hair and, and like, reconnect with my, my inner energy and my inner spirit, I've just felt like I've needed to do this more, like windmills. Yep. yep. <laughs> <laughs> just being silly, just, like, really loose and, for so long in my life, I was so stuck and I was trying to be a tough rugby league man. But now I've just learned that I just need to kind of loosen up a little bit. But I do want to say that I do have this song called Oblivion. And talking about releasing music, I wrote a song like a year ago all about people coming together. And the chorus literally says, we are the people of all things changing. So sometimes you just never know because like right now, it's the best time to release certain kinds of songs that can help to bring people together because... For me, it's not about saying how bad Scott Morrison is or how about bad Barnaby yeah. Joyce is. It's like surely those guys could have done so much more. But, you know, at the end of the day, we've got to like look at ourselves and, and be like, 
I'm tired of just always pointing the finger about how someone's done something wrong. Like I want to be that change. And together, like I've just seen that that music is really important to help communicate that idea that, you know, we're all in this together. Like we are one family. And even when these systems fail us, let's just start new ones. So I'm really excited about releasing this song in a few weeks time. And so, yeah, there's certain things I'm really pumped about because I feel like that just contributes back to just people coming back together and doing great things and regenerating this community that's been so damaged. Yeah. Well, could you uh, tell us where we can find your music or others listening to this? Um, yeah. So my music's on Spotify. Um, I've got a bunch of videos on YouTube. Just start, just type in Billy Otto and it's all there. Yeah, man. So, and, and all my updates for all the flood stuff, it's just on Instagram, Billy Otto, O-double-T-O. But um, yeah, I'm super excited about getting back on the road. I'm coming down to Newcastle and Central Coast, hopefully in the next couple of months. And so, yeah, I'd really, really be pumped to see more crew and, and to share this message of, of coming together. Yeah, we hope yeah. to see you here soon. Um, that's the end of the formal part of our interview. Uh, we have two questions that we like to ask every guest. Uh, the first question is, what is your favourite childhood memory? My favourite childhood memory? Wow. I think this is one time that I was out in Western Australia on a big family trip and basically I hadn't really snorkeled that much before. I was eight years old and we went to this place called Coral Bay And I remember for the first time in my life putting on snorkels and seeing coral and beautiful flourishing ecosystems for the first time underwater and just the colors of the coral and of the fish and and feeling a little bit afraid but so in awe was really something so profound and vivid for me. And so I think it was those early times of traveling with my dad and my family around Australia that I really fell in love with nature um and it's it's stayed until now like i'm in the ocean every day when it's not toxic (laughs) and i think it was those early exposures to to nature so yeah um yeah seeing coral for the first time when i was eight years old was one of the most profound young experiences i ever had yeah that's incredible um if our second question is if you could have dinner with uh two people alive or dead who would they be and why (laughs) um I think I'd really love to have dinner with um, Ringo Starr. I'm a huge Beatles fan. And I always think that although Ringo didn't write all the bangers, he just always had the coolest wardrobe and he's just such a a Zen dude. Like he's Instagram and he's just, he's all about just pumping love into the world. And I just think he's just so rad. I I would love to be able to make a song with Ringo Starr. So um, yeah, just love his energy. Who else right now? I, I would love to have dinner with Russell Brand. Yeah. Yes. I get that. Huge Russell Brand and um, love his hair. Like I've learned so many new words from the guy, but I just feel like he's really important for now that he's communicating from the heart about things that are going on and, um, and the brokenness of these old systems. And again, the need to kind of go within and, and come to, to, to big revelations about how we can make this world a better place. Yeah, and I think he's just got such a cool fashion sense <laughs> and he's just so funny. I feel like he knows that he's not a psychologist or a biochemist, but he's just got this ability to be able to communicate and, and he's so human. And I feel like right now 
people are looking for leaders in the world that they feel they can trust, you know, leaders that are human and relatable and accessible and almost touchable in a way. And that's just not what we're feeling right now in Australia. And I'm really drawn to people that I can connect with and I can just know that, yeah, they're just one of me and they're just fully being their, their beautiful human energy. And I love that. Yeah, that's amazing. That's probably the best dinner party I've heard of. Billy Otto, Russell Brand and Ringo Starr. I reckon that'd be a pretty sick dinner party. Um, Do you guys want to just hear of any ways that people can kind of get involved if they can? Because so many people have just been reaching out to me over the grams and it's been really awesome. It's been a little bit overwhelming just with, you know, I don't, I feel like I have no idea what I'm doing. And there's people that I know up here that are doing so much more work than I am. But I think it's like right now, if people live around this region or if they want to help, they can actually physically come here and grab a shovel and really just help. There's still like hundreds of homes that, that aren't accessible and because the water's still receding. And so we, we need people that can go in and just scrub out these homes, help to like demolish some of these walls. Um, there's a lot of funding that's going ahead from the community. Um, uh, if people ever want to register to help out, there's, there's a website called floodrecovery.com. Oh, thank you so much for agreeing to come on here with us. Um, we really, really appreciate it. But yeah, thanks so much, guys. It's been so fun. This week's story is from a good friend of ours named Kate, who has travelled the world as a successful ice hockey player. Hi, my name is Kate and I am 17 years old. This is a small but significant part of my story. I'm just going to be talking about my experience in the Czech Republic. So I went to the Czech Republic on the 25th of December 2019 to the 8th of January 2020. And this was my first experience in Europe with my brother as well as my dad while my mum stayed home to take care of our animals. And I'm very grateful for both my parents and their contribution to my experience in the Czech Republic. They both put in their money to allow me to have such an amazing experience at the age I was. The arena was massive and it was freezing, both inside and out. But what I found really interesting was the change rooms. They had heaters inside. This isn't common in Australia. The hotel we stayed in was just about 20 metres away from the arena, as well as a restaurant that was right on top of this ice ring that had a massive window to view the arena. We watched all the adults skate while we ate with our friends, and this included me watching my dad skate. The food was amazing. We were given three meals a day and never a minute I felt hungry. Out of 30 people, there were only five girls. We were split into groups and I was put into the red group, which was the best group. I was the youngest and the only girl. I was 15 at the time and everyone else was 18. Every group activity was an experience. I was encouraged on and cheered on by those in my group. They taught me how to use contact when attacking and defending the puck in our area as well as how to open up and become more available for a pass. This was very impactful to my whole experience. Some of the guys in my group often hung out with me. They actually bought me pizza and apple juice one time. I particularly remember this because one of them made a jerk and I bursted out laughing. Ended up spitting my apple juice all over him. From then on, I was called apple juice. 
I will be forever thankful for my friends, family and hockey mates that I met along the way and I will remember this trip for the rest of my life. My parents have always supported my decisions and have always been by my side. Pretty sick. This concludes episode four of YouthView. Thank you all for listening. Be sure to follow and subscribe to all of our social media platforms at Skilled Creative so that you don't miss an episode. Special thanks to Billy Otto for joining us today and sharing an insight into his life. If you'd like to find out more about our special guest, you can find him on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram and Spotify at Billy Otto. Again, thanks for listening to YouthView, a podcast by Skilled Creative. See you all next week.